civilians clashing with armed soldiers on the streets of their hometown, working people and their families facing up to the military might of one of the most powerful empires the world has known, a big-headed, pig-headed political leader who plays fast and loose with the truth about sending in the troops, and alongside the violence and death, a propaganda war centred on the price of fuel. All of this is terribly, horribly current. We've heard it in every bulletin and for days on end. But all of this has happened before, here in the Ronda in 1910. Please forgive me if what I'm saying seems in any way to diminish the appalling suffering we've witnessed in Ukraine in these past days. My intention is quite the opposite. I've talked about the Cambrian Combine dispute, Winston Churchill and the Tonopandi riots in previous episodes of John on the Ronda. It's part of our history, but I make no apology for returning to it again now, because part of that history is about to be auctioned off, sold to the highest bidder, and it seems to me that we shouldn't allow that to happen without at least pausing to think about what it means. Because every time we let go of a piece of the past, every time we relinquish the memory of ordinary people standing up for themselves against the might of an army, each time we neglect the David against Goliath battles in our past, we make such battles all the harder to fight in the present and in the future and wherever in this world they need to be fought. And every time we remember to remember such heroism, it serves to encourage those whose bravery is otherwise cruelly stretched to the breaking point. Auctioned, I said, sold to the highest bidder. Yes, that's quite literally true. It was the columnist Carolyn Hitt who drew my attention to the story. The engine house, the powerhouse of the old Scotch collieries in Llunapia, will go under the hammer. And in just a few days' time, the guide price is £55,000. As another Ronda-born journalist, Catherine Williams, pointed out on the Wales online news site, that sum seems like a pittance considering the historical and cultural value the powerhouse represents. I've seen the building described in a post on Facebook as an eyesore, and it's true that it was already derelict, an empty shell with holes in the roof, when I filmed inside for a BBC documentary I made in 2010 to mark the centenary of the Tonopandi riots. But the archive photographs we discovered from 1910 showed a space filled by a line of gleaming steel turbines sitting opposite a futuristic control panel. Another black-and-white image featured a dozen moustachioed policemen posing brazenly next to the machinery as they took tea and sandwiches served up by the blackleg maintenance staff. And the more I researched the history of the Cambrian Combine dispute for that programme, the more I realised what an epic struggle it was, and the more crucial the role of the powerhouse became in the story. Listen, 
Here's a clip from the soundtrack at the start of my film, presented by Eddie Butler. Monday the 7th of November. Today and tomorrow something important is going to be decided, something that will change the way the world works here in the Rhondda, in all of Wales, the rest of Britain and beyond, and for the whole of the next century. Every nice girl loves a collier in the Rhondda Valley Wall. It's going to be a clash of massive forces. On the one side, there's the Chief Constable of Glamorgan, the Metropolitan Police, the Lancashire Fusiliers, the 18th Hussars, and Winston Churchill himself. On the other, 12,000 Midronda miners and their families. It's going to be a riot. <laughs> The year is 1910. The place is Tonopandi. This is no small town story. It's an epic. What's at stake here is the whole balance of power between the workers and the people they work for, and the way the state referees that power struggle. The call to action comes before dawn on that November day. Summoned by bugle and marching behind the Tonopandi fife band, Miners and their families tramp from pithead to pithead, stopping the machinery that keeps the collieries functioning. Fires are raked, boilers and ventilating fans shut down, electric generators silenced. They meet little opposition. Until they arrive here, thousands of them, at the Glamorgan collieries on Floyna Pier Road. This is where the owners are going to make their stand. The owners have laid their plans carefully. The police are here, and way down below, 300 pit ponies. The owners have left them there, even though they've had no work to do for a week now since the strike started. If the pumps are shut down, the animals will drown. So, this is the focus of it all. The engine house, the powerhouse. It's literally a power struggle. Eddie Butler. And you also heard the voice of Tonopandi singing star Sophie Evans, with a cheeky parody that was popular at the time of the Cambrian Combine dispute. What our film made clear was that the mine owners deliberately chose to make the powerhouse their citadel, a symbol of their strength and their property-owning rights. In response, the miners realised that their only chance of winning their fight for a living wage was to hit the owners hard and fast where it hurt, in their assets. If the electric pumps could be shut down, the pit would be at risk from flood and rockfall and the build-up of explosive gases, forcing the owners back to the negotiating table. But wasn't it incredible that the owners were prepared to use the pit ponies as hostages in this struggle? If the ponies perished deep underground in the flooded roadways, the owners calculated coldly that that was a price worth paying. Public opinion would turn against the miners before permanent damage was done to the colliery itself. So the powerhouse stands at the centre of the whole dispute. And, fast forward to today, it could still be used as a way of educating new generations of Rhondda people and visitors to the valley about what was at stake.
or put to a myriad of other uses. Back in 2010, there was talk of developing the building, creating office space, shops, cafes, even a microbrewery on site. The Rhonda Powerhouse Trust did win funding to kickstart the project with architects' plans and a feasibility study, but a major lottery grant wasn't forthcoming. The project ran into the sand and the building was sold into private hands. And now it's on the market again, up for auction. It's a Grade 2 listed building, so whatever use it's put to, its fine architectural features will have to be kept. It can't simply be knocked down. Unless, of course, it falls into complete rack and ruin and becomes unsafe. And you don't have to be a cynic to suspect that that's what any successful commercial bidder might want to happen to it, so that the land it stands on could be exploited for more profitable purposes. But come on! We've lost so much of our industrial heritage and we've a desperate need for shared spaces, communal spaces, where people can get together, places where we can think and plan and dream of futures worthy of our proud past. It's not too late to put a bid in and it's not naive to suggest that the powerhouse should be saved and restored. There must be organisations out there who are funded precisely to help do that. CADU, the Prince's Trust, the Valley's Regional Park, the National Trust, Groundwork Wales, the Coalfields Regeneration Trust, Save Britain's Heritage, the Council, the Welsh Government. Is anyone listening? I'm John Geraint Roberts. Join me for another trip down Memory Terrace next time in John on the Ronda.